0: America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel and this is Real America. Today I'm speaking with Congressman Carlos Jimenez from Florida. We're going to cover the real impact of Democrats' socialist agenda and the failure of the Biden administration to stand up for freedom in Cuba and Venezuela. We're also going to talk about his view as a former mayor and fire chief of the devastating consequences of defunding the police. I'm so excited to welcome Congressman Carlos Jimenez with me on Real America. Welcome to my podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, I am. I'm going to go through a lot of things today as we have a discussion, but I want to introduce you uh, to our listeners and our viewers because you are part of this new, exciting freshman class of congressional members. You came from the Miami area. Mm -hmm. You have a backstory. You and your wife, Lourdes, uh, fled Cuba. Tell me about that. Tell me about how you came to the United States.
1: Well, I came when I was almost seven. Okay, It was November of 1960. And um, I still have the, I still actually have the, my flight ticket. Do you but, really? Yeah, I found it, yeah. November 3rd, 1960, that's when I came over on, on National Airlines.
0: Which doesn't even exist doesn't anymore. Doesn't exist
1: anymore, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so my, um, my father was a rancher in Cuba. Um, my mother, you know, worked, uh, you know, as, as a mom. Um, my grandmother's actually Irish-American. Okay. Yeah, so she met my grandfather my grandfather was a boss descent Cuban from boss descent who played highlight Miami highlight. Okay. And then uh, apparently my grandmother came down from vacation. She was born in Long Island, came down and I Fell think, in we love. think We think they met. And then the next thing I know, and I still have it, we have their marriage uh, license from Key West, Florida. Uh, that's where they got married. And, and apparently that's where they took the ferry to go back home to Cuba. And that's where, you know, she was and. I had my mom um and uh and so and after the re- when the revolution happened i was uh in uh, kindergarten and uh one day you know i asked my dad hey if the russians and the uh, americans ever got into a fight whatever who would win and and then he's he told me well you know the good the good people and the good guys and the bad guys and you know about that and you know and the americans are the good guys and so you know they hopefully they would win and i said no no the russians are winning because they're more powerful
0: really yeah
1: and so he said where'd you learn that and he goes well that's what they taught me in school i says oh that's what they're teaching you in school i says okay a month later we were out of there
0: really yeah they were just from that conversation yeah
1: yeah well look he wasn't with the revolution but that was the, like the uh that was a cherry on top. That was the kicker, uh, the straw that, that broke the camel's back. And he, he decided that was, that was enough. They were going to indoctrinate me. They were eventually going to indoctrinate my sister. And so, you know, uh, we left. And then we left and um, to Miami. My uncle, my m- maternal uncle by, by marriage, is actually my aunt, and, um, and her seven kids uh, were living in a house along with another family called the Ortegas and a couple of other friends and, and other relatives. And so there were about 21 people living in that house
0: oh my when goodness. we showed up.
1: And, uh, and so the way that it worked is my father, who was a rancher and you know, a professional, and my mother started working for Orkin because uh, she she could speak English very well. I mean, obviously perfectly. And uh, my dad started working as a bellhop in the Seville Hotel in Miami Beach. And my uncle was like the, the maternal figure. You know, he was the patriarch, right? And so... Um, every, uh, every night when my father and my older cousins would come back from the beach from working, they would all throw their money on the, on the table. My, fa- my uncle was working as a draftsman, although he was a, an architect in, in Havana in Cuba, he could, he didn't have an architecture license here in the United States. Okay. So he worked as a draftsman. He was working for a company. And so they would all throw their money on the table. He would pick it up and he would provide for the entire 21 people. Um, and, uh, actually even sent us to, Um, he thought, you know, uh, Catholic school was very important, and so we were all sent to Catholic school uh, about three blocks away, St. Michael's, um, and we were educated there. We lived together for probably about two or three years, and then, then everybody kind of split up into their own homes.
0: Do you Um, remember coming to Florida and how you felt? I mean, was it a big... Change for no, you? I mean, was no, it frightening no, at no, all? No. no,
1: it wasn't frightening. I mean, you were so I so young. No, I can't. Yeah I, yeah, I was young. And look, I, I do remember this that, I, that my first semester uh, at school, I got straight S because I didn't speak the language at all. I didn't speak one word of English. You didn't speak any Not English? Not one word. Uh, my grandmother didn't teach me. My and your mom didn't, didn't teach, you? teach me either. As a matter of fact, they probably used it as a weapon. They, they <laughs> whenever they wanted to. Talk English exa- behind your back. Yeah, exactly. Right in front of me. And I'm like, what the heck are they saying? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so my first word in English was tomorrow because uh, there was a, a Cuban kid at the school. Most of them were Americans. There was only about one Cuban in that in that class. And he he kind of was translating for me. And he and he goes, well, what was the first day of class? And tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. That means, you know, tomorrow. You know, mañana is tomorrow. Okay, that was my first word in English that I learned, mañana, tomorrow. You remember that. I remember that, yeah.
0: How crazy. Yeah. So you got all Fs and then, all F's and then the how second quickly semester, did it?
1: All A's, second semester. All A's. Yeah, that's how I just like that, picked it up. Uh, That is amazing. You know, my
0: brother and my sister-in-law is from Colombia. My brother and his wife often speak Spanish in front of us. So we don't know what they're saying, but I'm a lot better than they think. So (laughs) I love that story. So then do you think your parents ever understood the sacrifice? I mean, did they ever talk about what it meant for them to leave Everything behind. No, they it was come pain, here.
1: It was painful for for their entire lives. I mean, but they, they wanted
0: to give you that future.
1: Well, yes, and for them it was very painful because they led, led a very good life in Cuba. Um, and um, you know, it, my dad must have been in his 30s, maybe, and my mom maybe early 30s when we came over. So you know, all of their upbringing, their youth was spent in Cuba, and it was always very painful. They always wanted to go back. They always they always thought they were going to go back. You know your, your initial group of cubans that came thought it was going to be a six-month ordeal and then you know another revolution would happen and it would be overturned and then they would all go back in that house that i was uh there were three members of that house that actually were part of the uh, bay of pigs invasion wow uh two of them ended up being prisoners my uh, my cousin and then his best friend um my other cousin never got off the boat uh never got off the ship um before they turned around and went back because it was you know it failed and, uh, you know, they, they blamed uh, a lot of it on the Kennedy administration, lack of air support. Uh, my cousin said that he, they were winning the battle. They were winning the, you know, the battle and the war, I guess, until they ran out of bullets. Okay. And what happened was that a couple of the supply ships that were supposed to give them the second day, third day ammunition, et cetera, et cetera, were sunk by a, uh, an old uh, American jet trainer, all right, and uh, had the you know, Americans just given air support, those the, those trainers would have never had a chance. They would have never sunk those ships. And, uh, and then, you know, the, the invasion probably would have succeeded. But um, because of that call, you know, there was a lot of resentment to the Kennedy administration and what they did.
0: So I think you being a new congressman, mm-hmm. being from the Miami area is really timely right now with what's happening in our world. And I'm going to talk about it on two fronts. The first is the Democrat Party really is becoming more socialist, more yeah. communist. They're yeah. embracing so many things. And Cuban Americans really understand this yeah. because they've been there. They fought it. They mm-hmm. fled it. Yeah. They understand the American dream. What are you seeing as warning signs that other Americans may not be seeing because of your history and and what your family went through?
1: I mean, I think the first thing that that really concerns me is this whole thing of tech censorship. Yes. And then now that the president is saying that they want the you know, tech companies to censor certain information, where the government is actually being involved in, in censorship, is really, really dangerous. Um, and, um, you know, it's under the guise of misinformation, mm-hmm. right? And so who's the arbiter of misinformation? Who decides what's true and what's not true? And I think that uh, it's actually an insult to the American people. The American people are smart enough to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's real, what's not real. Are there always going to be people on, on the other side that be- believe something that you and I don't believe? Yeah, that's what's called debate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I believe that that the, the best defense against misinformation or, or another side is more information, and so and more debate, not less debate. That's really, really something which is very, very dangerous, and we see it, you know, in Cuba. You can't speak your mind. You can't, you know, you're only going to get one side. The truth, right, is what the government tells you is the truth. Uh, there's no freedom of the press. There's no freedom of speech. You have people looking. There's, there's things in Cuba that, uh, It's called Committee for the Defense of the Revolution. Okay. Okay? And it's not really a committee. What it is is that in every neighborhood, you'll have one or two people that are actually working with the government to spy on you. All right. And so when you when you say, oh, gee, I don't think Castro is very good. You know, I don't think that uh, D.S. Canals was doing this, that or the other. You could, at the, in the middle of the night, end up with security forces at your door, knocking down your door and then taking you away because you said something wrong against, or you're a counter-revolutionary and so you're a threat, you know, to to the Cuban people. Look, in the Cuban, uh, Cuban Constitution, uh, there's a couple of articles there. that I, I think you and I would, would say what? Number one. That, you know how we, at least my values, are God, family, country, right? Yeah. In kind of that order, right? Exactly. Right? Well, in Cuba, the, the values are the Communist Party first. The second comes country. And then third comes the individual, all right? And so... In, in Cuba, in the Constitution, it's the Communist Party that supersedes everything. Supersedes everything. everything. Your
0: family, everything. God, everything. religion, God. God. They don't
1: believe in God, okay, but it supersedes everything, all right? There's another article in the Co- Cuban Constitution, which is a little even more, well, it's, it's not as bad. It's pretty bad, okay? So here it is. It, is, it says that, that communism is the way. Anybody, anybody who wants to change that is now an enemy of the state. All right, and can be dealt with in any shape or manner deemed fit, including armed force. So that wow. if you want to, there is no changing. See, there's no, there is no process in the Cuban Constitution to change away and to get away from communism because it's part of the Constitution that if you want to do that, you're a traitor and you have to be dealt with.
0: So you're seeing this, and I've I've been to Miami many times mm-hmm. and campaigned many times and talked to so many. Cuban-Americans, Venezuelan-Americans who are saying, why why aren't Americans paying attention to this? The media, it's not just big tech. It's the media. It's the propaganda machine. We saw this in the election suppressing information about Hunter Biden or that it came from the Wuhan lab, the coronavirus. And now, like you said, it's gone a step further with the Biden administration openly admitting that they are working with Facebook to stifle misinformation, which is freedom of speech. Right, exactly. So... How do we educate? How would you, if you were talking to a young voter who thinks, this is great, this is wonderful, that the Biden administration's right, it is misinformation, we should clamp down on this misinformation, how do you explain to them what this can lead to?
1: Well, you have to explain to them what it can lead to. That's a very, very slippery slope. All right? It is. And it's an extremely slippery slope because it starts out with, well, it's about your health and welfare. And then the next thing you know, well, it's about you know economic uh, truth, that it's about the uh, political truth. And... Um, you know, people are these people are dangerous. We need to, you know, shut them down. We need to shut them up and all that. And so um, and it all leads to, you know, one place and it leads to one one ideology, uh, one party uh, having all the power. Uh, and it leads to a shutdown of of uh, debate. Look, America is built on freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all freedoms. Right. We need to have that. Um, one of the things that's more, most concerning to me too is what's happening in colleges that only one side is allowed yep. to speak and then then you have you have you know students telling the, the administration oh you can't allow so- and so to speak because we don't agree with them that's what colleges are for exactly. okay it's it's late le- exactly it's a di- yeah. if, if, if
0: what we're saying is so wrong right then you shouldn't be afraid for people to hear it right and because if you don't let them like, have a dialogue if what we're saying is so awful they'll be smart enough right. to figure that out but they're exactly. let them learn that for themselves mm-hmm. and determine that for themselves but there is this spoon-fed mentality. Americans aren't smart enough to figure this out. So we have to dilute and censor and prepackage our messaging and put it through all these mediums and refuse freedom of thought, speech, debate and actually demonize that exactly it's interesting to me and i would love to hear your take with what's happening with yeah it's
1: actually an an insult to our intelligence it's saying that that american people are too dumb to figure this out
0: exactly okay
1: and that's that's another way that we got to we as conservatives to say look you're actually being your intelligence is being insulted uh, you're all being, you know, basically labeled as dummies that we have to do this for you because you can't figure it out on your own. you're not smart enough to exactly. figure it out. And we're the,
0: the intellectuals, exactly. the elitists. Exactly. The, we're the, you know, yes. the, the all the Ivy League grads. Right. And we'll figure it out for you. and yeah, We'll let, you're know. Too dumb to we'll let that you know. We'll let you know what you should yeah,
1: think. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's how we should package it.
0: it it's okay. so true. Yeah. And and I th- I think the American people are seeing through this. Mm-hmm. I really do. But right now in Cuba, we are watching people in the streets clamoring for freedom. And you have seen the Biden administration be pretty much radio silent on it. And there was an interesting uh, uh, interview this weekend with a Washington Post reporter saying the Democrats are quiet because they agree with a lot of what communism stands for right now. How do you feel? How frustrating is, is it to you to be a congressman and to see Biden not standing up for freedom and standing up to the communist regime in Cuba.
1: Well, look, as as a as a Cuban, I'm insulted. But as a, co- a Congressperson, somebody who's in the political, world, I understand what he's doing because how can he go against the very ideology that the left, the extreme parts of his party, which are becoming more mainstream of his party, exactly, are actually telling us that this is what need what we, we need to have here. You know, Bernie Sanders, you know, thought you know Cuba and and what was going on in Cuba was great that we were somehow being you know, oh, we were taught how to read and write. Uh, great. Well, my God, gee, nobody in Cuba knew how to read and write before the, <laughs> the, the revolution. Why, gee whiz. That's how dumb he is, okay? He doesn't understand it, you know? And then AOC, uh, you know, the reason why the Cubans are, are protesting is because of the cruel American embargo. No, they weren't saying end the embargo, okay? By the way, AOC, end the embargo. Para el embargo, if you haven't, if you don't know that in Spanish, that, that's what they that would be saying. They're saying libertad. The that is freedom. Give us freedom. We've had enough of this regime. The regime needs to go uh, because the regime is what's causing our misery. Why is it causing our misery? Because it's a failed economic model. It's a failed uh, it's a We're fa- living in poverty. Uh, exactly. We can't think
0: for ourselves. Yeah. We can't we live in fear.
1: Communism People doesn't work. We don't understand
0: that. It doesn't it, work. It and doesn't we work. are the last defense. I right. remember for our convention, and I don't know if you saw it, we had Maximo Alvarez speak. And he touched me so much because he said when he fled Cuba, his dad said to him, fight for this country, fight for the United States, because if we lose this country, there will be nowhere else to go. That's right. There will be nowhere else to go. And watching defund the police and censorship of speech and all the things that are happening, it really is frightening. And I'm glad you're there as a voice uh, pushing this out, and it's also Venezuela too. Oh so yeah. no! So they look. pulled back the sanctions on oh, yeah. Maduro, and what's happened since right. the Biden administration's done that?
1: No, well, I think also he, tried, he just pulled some sanctions off of their the uh, the oil company too, and so you know you're you're killing our 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 oil sector here in the United States. You're allowing the Russians to have their oil sector by approving their pipeline, and then you're also taking away some of these sanctions away from the Venezuelan oil you know oil companies basically to prop up the Maduro regime. Um, what happened in Venezuela was totally predictable. We told the Venezuelans, because a bunch of them are living in Miami, and we said, this is what's going to happen to you. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And eventually, you're going to lose your freedom. And they oh, no, no, we're Venezuela. We're different. We're not Cubans, et cetera, et cetera. Now they all come back to me and say, by the way, you're right. We, we should have listened to you. I said, yeah, you should have listened to them. And, and by the way, the same thing should happen here in the United States. you got to listen to us, all right? Because yeah. you may never think it's going to happen you know, they never thought it was going to happen in Venezuela. And I'm not saying it's going to happen here, but there are signs here that people want to take us in that direction. And we need to be very, very cognizant of that. And We need to reject it outright. The system doesn't work. Communism never works. Socialism doesn't work. Uh, and it'll never work. And, and you know... One of the things they, you know, the, the look, Black Lives Matter put out a tweet about, about, about the, the organization now, put out a tweet about it and uh, talked about the embargo and this. And then they said one of the great things of the Cuban revolution is that they, they export their doctors and their nurses uh, to other, other countries so that they can help them with their health problems. They're, yeah, they, they export them, all right, for a price. They actually, those doctors and, and nurses are sent to other countries, and those countries pay the Cuban government, Okay. for the services of those doctors and those nurses, guess who doesn't get that money? The, the doctors, doctors and, and the, the nurses, nurses. <laughs> okay? And so this is, so BLM is actually saying, or, you know, saying one of the great things about about the Cuban, you know, uh, communist regime is modern day slavery, Exactly. Okay? And oh I'm my like, goodness. I'm like, what? You know, these people just, either they don't understand it or they do understand They're trying to fool everybody, okay? But they're not gonna fool the American. They're well, that's the
0: thing people. that's so important about this election and I, I know you're one of 15 new House members. We're five seats away from taking back the House. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a difference of opinions anymore. It's not, oh, Republicans and Democrats, we have a difference on whether it should be a 30% corporate tax no. or 20%. It is a fundamental reworking of our country as we know it. Yes. And as they talk about getting rid of the filibuster, stacking the Supreme Court, getting rid of our energy independence, not supporting freedom in Cuba, pay attention, folks. Big tech, big tech censorship, controlling the media, yep. misinformation campaigns. I mean, this is, we are on the path to becoming a different nation where everything we stand for will be completely upended if we do not win in this next election. I, I,
1: I agree 100%. And look, one of the things he just said, you know, packing the Supreme Court. Um, when Chavez won, you know, back around 2005 or so, one of the first things he did he packed the, the Supreme court. C- Supreme yeah. Court of Venezuela. And him, there have been 45,000 cases uh, filed against the government uh, since then, all right, and that have made it to the Supreme Court. You know how many, how many cases the government has lost in the Supreme Court of Venezuela?
0: I'm going to guess zero.
1: Zero. But- <laughs> 45,000 is zero. That's a heck of a winning streak. That's a okay? pretty good winning streak. That's right. And so when the Democrats talk about packing the Supreme Court here... Again, just like censorship all right that is unbelievably uh dangerous, unbelievably dangerous and the fact that they go out and talk about it openly
0: don 't even hide it
1: they don 't even hide it okay you're right it's it they just think that they have enough you know power and then they're going to stack that Supreme Court, and that you know thank God for a couple of Democrats in the in the, in the, the Senate, Senate that say no, okay, if not, we would see more. More they'd be packing the Supreme Court right now, then all of their radical agenda, which is probably unconstitutional, would probably be found to be constitutional by the Supreme Court because they're going to pick uh, you know I, people ideologues right uh extremists that will interpret the 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 uh the Constitution in the way that they want the the, the Constitution to be interpreted
0: so you've seen a difference with uh Secretary Mayorkas in telling people coming here from Mexico through that border, please come, you're welcome. But now we have people trying to come here from Cuba, and it's a totally different policy. What do you make of that discrepancy in this administration? I think
1: that should be consistent policy. I agree. Okay, should be totally consistent. And so... Um,
0: Why do you think they're doing it? Is it because uh, Cuban, Cuban voters would be more Republican? I mean, what's the difference... I I don't want to be that cynical I, 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 but I'm curious. I, I really, why would asylum seekers I, from one country be given uh, the ability to come here and and, and valued and, and and put forward by the secretary as people who should come here and others being said, no, we don't want you to come.
1: Look I mean we we've taken the, the, the leadership and um, you know the elected leadership have said that uh, we don't want an exodus from Cuba. That's what they do in order to you know basically relieve the pressure, okay. okay. Um, and it's also very, very dangerous. I mean, thousands of Cubans have died on the, you know, in the in that stretch of uh, the Florida Straits. Okay, so we don't want to do that. But by the same token, I I think that uh, we need to shut down our border. We need to we need to protect our southern border. I've been there a couple of times, and so it should be consistent. You know, be consistent. No, you can't come illegally here, and you can't come here either. Okay, and so. Um, you know, I think that that should be the right thing. Why one yes and why not the other one doesn't make sense to me, especially since the ones that are are leaving Cuba, you can see quite clearly that they're being oppressed.
0: Exactly. Right?
1: And so they have a really good reason why they want to leave Cuba. Um, not to say that the other migrants, you know, that they, they're looking for a better life, okay? And and I understand that, but there should be a legal process. But there
0: is a problem by not having sound immigration policy. Of and it's. That's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. We love, this is a country that welcomes yeah. people with o- open right. arms. We are made up of immigrants yep. who have lived and shaped the American dream. Right. But when you don't have sound policy, not only are you putting our country in flux, but you're putting these families that are jeopardizing their kids, their, themselves, their safety in harm's way by coming into our country illegally. Why not just fix it? Why can't I mean, I know why it's it's a political football, but it does seem like something that could have been fixed. The Trump administration really did with remain in Mexico policy. You stay in Mexico while you're seeking asylum. There were lots of things put in place under the Trump administration that worked. And the Biden administration says, oh, it worked, but it was done by a Republican, So we're going to abandon it, it. It
1: was much more humane. Uh, it's humane for the family look the, we're splitting families up right now Why because you have this thing that if you're under seven years old that you can stay on this side of the border, right? And so now if you're under 17 by yourself, you can stay on this side of the border and if you're if you're uh, Being accompanied by a child of under seven then you, you can now also do you know come to the side of the border and So you're splitting families up all over the place. You're actually being less much less humane Than what the the Trump administration, uh, you know, put forward. And you'd also, you're incentivizing, you know, people to travel thousands and thousands of miles, okay, to get to the border, pay thousands and thousands of dollars to criminals, to criminals, okay, to get you over the border. You should have a sound policy. This is how you get into, into the United States. This is how you emigrate into the United States. This is our immigration policy. These are the numbers, et cetera. And then we have a right as a nation, as a sovereign nation, to guard our borders just like any other nation. All right.
0: I know that Republicans have an appetite to work on these issues. Yes, I know that we do. I know people like yeah. you and many people in our party would work with Democrats to mm-hmm. say let's let's come up with yeah. something. Yeah. Have you seen that across the aisle at all? Have you seen an appetite to say let's let's tackle tough issues? I understand there's things around the margins that you can agree on. But I don't feel and, and correct me if I'm wrong, anything from Nancy Pelosi that says how do we solve major issues I mean, let's look. It's it's a influx of people coming. But beyond that, the opioid crisis, oh, yeah. the uh, 800% increase just across our Texas border on just fentanyl. Yeah. This is a huge problem that has consequences across our whole country. Have you seen anything like no. that in Congress? No,
1: not at all. And, and I, I, I think that uh, the immigration issue, staying alive, they think it works for them. You know, and and so I don't I think it's uh, it's going to backfire on them. Um, they think that somehow that all Hispanics somehow are, are going to be Democrats in the end. And then they they've they got a rude awakening in, in, in my district. OK, they won that district uh, by 16 points in, in 2016. They lost it by five in 2020. Uh, so that's 21-point swing. And what
0: do you attribute that to?
1: I attribute that to a lot of it to the, the defunding the police, uh, the socialism aspect, you know, what was going on in Venezuela and now what's going on in Cuba. They're being very weak on that. Um, and so that's what I attribute, you know, most of that. And they liked uh, President Trump's, uh, the, the way that he that he stood up to folks, you know, and, uh, and some of the things that he said um, and that it was America first. All right. Look, we're here. Because we love America, okay, all right, and so uh, I told this to a group of people, you know, the other day that I actually may love America more than you do because you were born here, maybe, all right, uh, and you don't, you may not love it as much as I do because you've always had it, right? You, you kind of, uh, I lost something, and now you know, I found it here, um, and I love this country. I love this country very deeply. It's a and
0: choice it, for your family. It is actually, I came here. I came here, here by
1: choice. I wasn't here. I wasn't born here. Yeah. Right, and so. Um, you know, I
0: love that. Yeah. And so there true. are a
1: lot of, you know, a lot of the, you know, Hispanics aren't a not we're not monolithic. We're not the same. We don't even speak the same. All right. We speak the same language, but we have different accents. We have different tastes. We have di- we listen to different music. Uh, we, we eat different foods um, and uh, and all. We're, we are kind of bound together by a language, a common language. But it doesn't mean that we're all the same. But we do have, I think, general values that actually align more with the Republican Party exactly. than the Democratic Party. And that's why Party. we've had
0: so many gains. Yeah. But what would you say the Republican Party is for? If you were talking to somebody who'd never met us, who didn't know what the Republican Party stood for, somebody who'd never encountered a congressman before what would you say this is what i believe this is what our party stands
1: for i I believe that our party start uh, and believes in love of country love of the flag uh, love of god Uh, i think we're we're pro-life so we we love life we love we love liberty uh, we love freedom Uh, we're we also want to make sure that we give our kids uh, more opportunity better opportunity than when we had uh, our children and our grandchildren. We're about our children and our grandchildren and what kind of country we leave them. We don't want to leave them in debt. So that's why we're fiscally responsible. Uh, we want to have a, a country that is you know, free of crime as much as possible. Uh, and so we believe in law and order. Uh, we believe in the rule of law. We believe in contracts. You know, We believe that when you write something down, when you shake somebody's hand, that you mean it. Um, and that you maybe don't even need a piece of paper. That's what I think the Republican Party is to me and what it should be.
0: I love your passion. I can feel it. How are you enjoying being in Congress? I mean, you are a freshman congressman. Yeah. You've been here, what, just over six months?
1: Yeah, around there. What
0: has been kind of the most eye-opening experience? And then what are you enjoying or looking forward to the most?
1: I thought that it was gonna be very, very partisan. I mean, because of the mood of the, the country. Um, well, I enjoy learning the process. I enjoy, you know, being with my colleagues um, I don't enjoy the 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 bickering, the the partisanship. I certainly don't enjoy you know the direction that this Congress is going, what they're trying to do, how much money they're spending, how they're putting our kids and our grandchildren in debt, how they're gonna, how they're you know increasing inflation, basically a tax on on all of uh, Americans right now and their policies. Their policies are wrong. Their policies will never work. I've seen it. I know they won't work. Um, and so. That's kind of How motivated are
0: you to get the House, to get those five seats? and Oh, and move that? I mean, doesn't oh, it just motivate you? Oh, my it, God, yeah. Because it's so much is set by the Speaker, the yeah. agenda, what comes to mm-hmm. the floor, uh, yeah. committee assignments. Yeah. People don't understand how much power is held in that gavel of the Speakership.
1: Speaker Pelosi has held her conference. Um, you know, I think I've only seen uh, Democrats come over a few times, maybe two of them on really – Big pieces of legislation. Only two have come in six months. Okay, have flipped over, um, and so she rules with an iron fist. She, I mean, she may rule. You know, she uh, absolutely rules with an iron fist. And yep. so they the, know they do not they, cross no, the No, they don't. Policy. And then also, they're they're the ones that may you know be more moderate. You know, when they say you know anybody who's going to run against me say, well, I'm going to be a moderate Democrat. No, you no, you're not. You're lying, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Because uh, you know the. Here's the the record of all the Democrats in this Congress none of them have been moderate they've all been extreme they all run one they way all and govern exactly they, they govern
0: they, California yeah. San Francisco whatever oh, they it's may actually
1: state. feel more moderate but they're not allowed to be okay. they're not allowed to have their own voice they have to they have to follow now the extreme left this socialist you know part, part of the Democrat Party. There are no more moderate Democrats. They don't vote with moderate people, okay? Yeah. So they're all, they're, they're, they've gone all the way to the left. And you know what? Uh, one of the reasons I ran for Congress, look, I've had a pretty successful career and, and life here in the United States, and that's why I love this country so much. But one of the reasons I ran, the reason I ran, is I don't want my children or grandchildren to have to go through what I did, okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, if they did, say, hey, look, we need to leave because, you know, i got to take you to a place of freedom. Where am I going to go? Where are you going to go? Exactly. Where am I going to go? All right. And where are they going to go? i got to fight for them right now, right here, right now.
0: I love that. And you do have such an interesting background. I want to talk about that a little bit. You were fire chief. Yes. So you're fire chief, mayor, congressman. Yeah. Mayor. I want to talk about the mayor time. Yeah. Especially with your experience as a first responder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and watching what the Democrats have done with the defund the police movement, and I say it's not just defund; it's to mean demoralize. Yes. Right. You're having people quitting at record levels, right. um, and and not signing up. As a mayor, and that background, how does that feel to you? What do you? What experience do you bring that you know? how detrimental that would be for a community and the safety to have your police department it or your well, first responders. Uh,
1: look, people ask me, you know, hey, what do I think about Bill de Blasio? I love Bill de Blasio because I was the mayor of Miami-Dade, okay? Uh, that means that people would be coming down from New York, uh, leaving New York to come to Miami-Dade. Um, and uh, and it's half fun, I'm saying this, okay? But Bill de Blasio was great for Miami. Uh, and so, what I look at that is this, these are crazy. This is just lunacy. All right, you you uh, you think that somehow uh, social workers are going to be responding to domestic violence, uh, you know, calls and all that, uh, and then somehow they're going to, you know, you you're going to have social programs take care of all these ills, and they're crazy. You take, you know, like you have social programs that intervene at a young age, and you deviate and you and you divert people from young men and women from a life of crime at an early age. But once they've made that choice, and now you're a criminal, all right, now you're a criminal, all right, things change, okay? So it's like a carrot and a stick. Hey, go this way. Things are going to be better for you. You know, we'll help you, ah, da-da-da, okay? Or you can go that way, and it's not going to be good for you. And there's going to be consequences. And there's going to be consequences to this, okay? And so as the mayor, um, we had tough uh, financial uh, times in the county when I first became mayor, I still dropped the the tax rate to the lowest tax rate. Biggest tax cut in, in Dade County history I initiated. Uh, had about a $400 million gap in our funding and I got concessions uh, from the from the employees and I got concessions from the union. You
0: sound like a Republican. A, and I was
1: <laughs> able to, you know, you know, go ahead and, and and close that gap. But I have to as mayor, I have no option. I have to have a balanced budget. Balanced budget. I don't I can't have deficit spending, okay? okay? All right. And so it's something I think they need to learn here about deficit spending. So, you know, we did that. And and that takes prioritization. You have to prioritize what's important. And there are some things you may want to do that you won't be able to because Mm -hmm. you don't have the money to do it. All right. But and I can't borrow you always for
0: prioritize all, the police. You
1: should always. You I always, always are going
0: to. Because how can you safety. do anything if you don't have public safety? We
1: have to. How mm-hmm. do you
0: get a business to start up? How do you have kids walk to school and feel we safe? We have to. We're in D.C. right now. A six-year-old girl was just shot and killed mm-hmm. in D.C.
1: Yep.
0: Because they have embraced Defund the Police. And right. then today the mayor comes out and says, you know what? We need the police to work overtime if it's necessary. Well, that would have been nice a month ago. It's so important to hear stories like yours. And the perspective you bring to Congress, being a first responder, being a mayor, being an executive, being a businessman, helps so much as we're navigating all of these issues, and especially with the Democrats embracing socialism and communism. It is a critical time for you to be here. I'm so grateful for you to be in, in Congress at this time, in this place. Thank you for your service, and thank you for coming on my podcast. Oh, uh,
1: anytime, uh, anytime you yes. ask, I'll be happy to come back. And I appreciate very, it I, yeah, so much. I appreciate much. Our, our conversation. Do you want to sign
0: us off in Spanish?
1: Vamos a triunfar en, en, 20, 20, en, el, en el año 2022. Uh, lo necesitamos porque el futuro de, de esta nación uh, está en juego en el año 2022, y estas elecciones son muy, muy importantes para el futuro de América. Gracias y que Dios lo bendiga a todo.
0: Mucho gusto. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm Rhonda McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.gop.com